It is now two days after election day. People have been voting in some states since September, and we are still waiting to find out for sure who won control of the House and of the Senate. If you were born before 2017 or so, you will remember a time when America was able to conduct elections in one day. You know, like France or Brazil or every other even quasi-democracy on planet Earth. Apparently, though, that is over now. So we're all just waiting. And we're waiting on three Senate races in particular. Republicans currently have won or held 49 seats. Democrats, 48 seats. In Nevada, the Republican Adam Laxalt is leading by 20,000 votes. Uh, It's 49.6% to 47.4%. And that is with 79% of the vote in as of last night. In Georgia, the race between Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock is essentially tied and headed for a runoff. And in Arizona, Democrat Mark Kelly is leading Republican Blake Masters with 70% of the vote in, with no sign of when the race will be settled for sure. And on top of that, Arizona's gubernatorial race looks like it could be headed to court. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Cool Papa J Magic. That guy gets so many of my, and I don't even see their names when I pick the comment. That's very impressive, Cool Papa J Magic. He says, Carrie Lake, they got to fix this problem. Democrats, you're having issues because the problem has already been fixed. So true. So true. I think people are looking at this thing a little bit backwards sometimes. We we know that paper ballots work. So why are we moving to these computers and these machines that sometimes don't work and drag the vote count out for many days and weeks when there can be more fraud and should, okay, I think I understand it now. I think I get it. We need to be revved up, okay? We need to be fired up. We need to be peppy. We need to be alert about our elections throughout our entire life. And when you want to be peppy and alert, you got to check out Black Rifle Coffee. Right now, head on over to blackriflecoffee.com, enter promo code Knowles. While today's coffee often comes with hints of soy and just little notes of social justice, Black Rifle delivers an entirely different experience. Bold, strong, and delicious. Black Rifle Coffee is the coffee that I choose to get me through the day. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran-founded and operated. Their mission is to help service members successfully transition from the military into entrepreneurship. They provide assistance to veterans who seek to launch businesses of their own with the goal of helping more companies such as Black Rifle become a reality. Black Rifle is committed to hiring 10,000 veterans. They're well on their way. As for the coffee itself, because frankly for me, even beyond all the great work Black Rifle does, the coffee, that's what I'm interested in. Black Rifle is very selective about where they source their coffee beans, very disciplined when it comes to ensuring the freshness of every bag. Go to blackriflecoffee.com, use promo code Knowles for 10% off your first order, or when you sign up for a new Coffee Club subscription. The subscription gives you free shipping on all Coffee Club orders, early access to club deals and promotions, and special discounts from their partner brands. That's blackriflecoffee.com. Promo code Knowles for 10% off your first order, or when you sign up to become a Coffee Club member. Black Rifle Coffee, supporting veterans and America's coffee. Do you think we're going to get the Arizona election results before or after the next midterm elections? I assume, I'd like to think we'll get it before 2026, but I don't know. It's kind of weird. Don't you think we should be able to count the votes and give Carrie Lake her job? 
<laughs> but relatively soon, no, maybe not. Not in America anymore. We're not an advanced country like Brazil. You know, we're, we're only the United States of America. Why could we conduct elections? Some of the races do seem truly to be tight, at, even as they're properly counting all the votes. There's one house race. This would be my friend Lauren Boebert. Lauren Boebert in uh, Colorado running against Adam Frisch. Uh, the race right now is, so Frisch has it technically by 50, 50.01% to Lauren Boebert's 49.99%. The vote count is Frisch, 155,579 to Boebert, 155,506. And by, by the way, actually, those are the numbers as of last night. I think it's actually tightened up since then. So it was, it was separated by, what, 73 votes. Now I think it's actually 60-something votes. So it's just shockingly, implausibly close. It reminds us that every vote matters. I mean, there have been elections that are decided by 200 votes. And I think that it's easy for Republicans to be depressed and say, oh, the Democrats rig it and they changed all the voting rules and they're going to drag out the count. And in some cases, they, they don't want poll watchers to pay attention to what's going on. And coincidentally, the voting machines and the conservative precincts break. And it's just easy to get depressed. But that's what they're counting on. They are discouraging Republicans. They don't want us to show up to vote. But if 65 voters, whatever, 75 voters in Lauren's district who were Republicans had showed up to vote who didn't, that could have been the difference in the election. We'll see. I mean, that, there will have to be a recount if we're only talking about 70 or some odd votes. Uh, now, regardless of what happens in that race, I obviously hope Lauren pulls it out. Joe Biden is signaling now that he thinks that the GOP is going to take the House, and he has intimated that he's willing to work with the House GOP, and he's, the Biden world seems to have accepted that reality. But a lot of people are asking this question, where was the red wave? Where was the red wave that we were all promised, that we saw reflected in all of these polls? Where is it? And it's difficult to work through because the, the polls are often wrong, but they're almost always wrong in, in the Democrats' favor. So they all, almost always oversample Democrats, and they say things are going to go a lot better for the Democrats, and then the Republicans outperform the polls, and that's when we always say, well, don't believe the polls. But it's always in that direction. So what do we make of this here, where the polls, so many of the polls, seem to favor the Republicans, and the Republicans underperformed? Well, I think it is important to remember that as you hear people bickering over why the Republicans had such a poor showing and how it's Trump's fault and no, it's the voter integrity issue fault and no, it's the this fault and no, it's the that fault. Don't forget this talk of the red tsunami only really began in the last few weeks. If you were talking about the polls in September, then it was much less clear. And if you were talking about the polls six months ago, it was much less clear. Six months ago, and even back in September, the talk was, yeah, Republicans will probably take the House, but it's kind of 50-50 on the Senate because it's a tough election map this year for the Republicans. It was only in the last couple of weeks that the pollsters started talking about, no, Republicans are going to take 54 seats, 50, 56 seats maybe. But that was not the talk for the vast majority of this campaign. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to help Republicans cope with a disappointing night. But it is important to have some of that perspective. If the Republicans can take the House, and especially if the Republicans can take the Senate, that is a win. That is a big win. You only need 51 or 52 senators there 
to stop the Biden agenda. And even just taking the House can heavily impede the Biden agenda, though not nearly as much as if we take the Senate. And then it's got to rile us up for next time. I think a lot of the battle over over what happened on the midterm election night, and even some of the catastrophizing of that, is frankly a facade for people who are already campaigning for candidates in 2024. And it is a a warning, though, for Republicans next time. Maybe we need to be wary of the polls, too, just as Democrats need to be wary of the polls. Maybe we need to recognize sometimes the polls will overestimate Republicans' chances. So now the Senate might all come down to Georgia. Depends what happens with Arizona, Masters, and Kelly, and then what happens in Nevada with the Laxalt race. But let's say they split it. That Republicans win one, the Democrats win one, which right now seems to be where the numbers are. So then you could be looking once again, just like in 2020, Georgia decides control of the Senate. Now, this is probably not great news <laughs> to Republicans who remember that last time we had a Georgia runoff with Leffler and Purdue on the ticket, We lost, and then we lost control of the Senate. I think this is different. Uh, So just the facts here. The runoff is going to take place December 6th. Early voting must begin by November 28th in all counties, uh, but it could begin even a couple days earlier, November 26th or November 27th. Are Republicans going to stay home like they did in 2020, or are they going to get out and vote? I think probably Republicans will get out and vote in this one. And I think the reason for that is that other than whatever the hell's going on in Arizona, the problem of voter fraud doesn't seem to be quite as widespread as it was in 2020. I know we're not allowed to say that there's any voter fraud or any shenanigans or any rigging, but there obviously was a ton of rigging going on in 2020. And the Democrats admitted that in that longtime magazine article, and they changed all the rules before the race. So I think it was perfectly reasonable for Republicans in Georgia in 2020 to feel dispirited and say, screw it, I'm not going to go vote because the Democrats are just stealing this thing. And I I know maybe I'm in the minority of conservative pundits who, who is willing to say that, but I think it's perfectly understandable why Georgia voters in 2020, who saw all of these shenanigans, who saw complete upending of election laws over nonsense, over a Chinese cough, would say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to go vote. But 2022 is different. And this year you saw major Republican gains and you saw the vast majority of election results come in on election night, which greatly, I think, reduces people's skepticism of the election. And so now you have a real race here, okay? And Raphael Warnock is really, really bad. And Herschel Walker will be a reliable Republican conservative vote. And they threw some bad oppo at, at Herschel in October. The October surprises were tough. And they said he had all sorts of woman problems, and they said that he, they even accused him of paying for an abortion. Again, I'm not totally sure that that happened, but even if it did, you know, you've got a choice here between Raphael Warnock, who wants abortion on demand up until the 17th trimester, you know, and, and, and is going to be a rubber stamp vote for the Democrats who want to subsidize that with your taxpayer dollars, um, or you got Herschel Walker, who's going to be a reliably pro-life vote. Who are you going to pick? Obviously, it, it ought to be Herschel. So we'll see. The problem in Georgia is that Brian Kemp vastly outperformed Herschel Walker, and Kemp won't be on the ballot this time to help bring Walker up. But nevertheless, I mean, if this is if this actually does become the race that determines control of the Senate, I think there is going to be a fair amount of voter enthusiasm, and I think that Republican suppression that comes from the dispiritedness of 2020, I don't think that you are going to see that quite as much 
this time. So that the race, once again, for control of the Senate is going to go on for another month or so. But Republicans, I think, do have a real shot at it. Now, once that's settled, 2024, we are off to the races and Donald Trump is not holding back his fire. Now, when you want to express your political views in this oppressive kind of culture, you're probably going to want to anonymize yourself. That's why you got to check out ExpressVPN. Right now, head on over to expressvpn.com slash Knowles. Do you know what big tech and our corrupt big government have in common? They both want to silence any dissenting voices into submission. Let's say that you're a gun owner. You want to talk on social media about your right to keep and bear arms, your Second Amendment right. Well, that post will probably be flagged by a content moderator, and you will end up on a government watch list. To fight back against having your voice censored by both big tech and our corrupt big government, I recommend ExpressVPN. Big tech tracks everything you do online. They match your activity to your identity using your device's unique IP address. When I use ExpressVPN, big tech cannot see my IP address, making me virtually anonymous. Plus, ExpressVPN encrypts 100% of my internet data to protect me from hackers and eavesdroppers. ExpressVPN is by far the greatest VPN I've ever tried. You don't need to take my word for it. It's the number one rated VPN by CNET, Business Insider, and countless other tech publications. Stop letting big tech and our corrupt big government censor and track you. Protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash Knowles, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Knowles. To get three months free, that is expressvpn.com slash Knowles. The midterms are over. We're going to be counting the votes until we're all long in the tooth, but the midterms are over. So Donald Trump seems to be running full steam ahead 2024, and he is going after his chief rival, Ron DeSantis, real hard. Uh, President Trump just gave an interview on News Nation where he explained why he is so offended that Ron DeSantis appears to be running for president. Ron is a person I've always had a decent relationship with him, but when I endorsed him, he was he was gone. He was not going to be able to even be a factor in the race. And as soon as I endorsed him, within moments, he the race was over. I got him the nomination. He didn't get it. I got it because the minute I made that endorsement, he got it. Then he ran and he wasn't supposed to be able to win. I did two rallies. We had 52,000 people each one. And we ended up, he won. And I thought that he could have been more gracious, but that's up to him. (laughs) I like that at the end. (laughs) He says, I'm entirely responsible for Ron DeSantis' political career. Okay, the guy's nothing without me. And so listen, I thought he should be a little bit gracious. Okay, but hey, look. All right. I don't, I'm not saying anything here. And, and this answer from Trump is a very good answer to the chief anti-Trump attack right now, which is that in these midterm elections, the Trump picks in the primaries were total losers. Trump has terrible picks in the primaries. And, and Trump's answer to that is, hey guys, DeSantis was one of my primary picks. So if the argument is Trump's picks in the primaries are terrible and maybe Ron DeSantis's would be better, he says, oh yeah? Hey, guess, guess, who, guess who one of my most prominent primary picks was? Ron DeSantis. Thank you very much. So that, that's his argument here. Uh, then he's taking to Truth Social. He's not taking to Twitter. He's not on Twitter anymore. But he's taking to Truth Social and he says, now that the election in Florida is over and everything went quite well, shouldn't it be said that in 2020, I got 1.1 million more votes in Florida than Ron D got this year, 5.7 million to 4.6 million? He goes, just asking. 
<laughs> you know, it's not really comparable because presidential election years, more people show up to vote than in the midterm elections. But look, I don't think it, it, it's a great look for Trump. I think it makes it look like he is insecure about his ability to win the nomination. Ron DeSantis did not attack him first and is not attacking him back. If DeSantis were attacking Trump, then I think it would be probably all right for him. But the fact that DeSantis is not attacking him, it doesn't look great for Donald Trump. But I tell you, as always, the, the reaction to Trump's statements and tweets, or fake tweets here now, the truth social tweets, I think a lot of it depends on the tone in which you you hear him. So, for instance, some of the big headlines are, if, if you read that truth social tweet as, I did much better than Ron DeSantis. I got, I got 1.1 million. He got uh, 1.1 million more votes. He, got, he, he only got 4.6 million. I got 5.7 million. Hmm. Right, if you just read it like that, then it seems kind of petulant and annoying. And, but if you read it as, hey, how come nobody's talking about this? You know, I did a lot better. I'm just asking, you know, if you read it as a joke, it, it's, it, it's much funnier, obviously. And it, it, it reads much differently. I'll give you a better example of this. Uh, there was a big headline where it said, Donald Trump says, if candidates win on the mid- in the midterms, then he deserves all the credit. But if the candidates lose... He deserves none of the blame. Can you believe this? Do you believe this, Donald Trump? And so I I read that headline and I said, what did he actually say? I went to the clip. Here's here's what he said. You've endorsed more than 330 candidates this election cycle. Uh, Tonight, win or lose, the results for Republicans, um, how much of that will be because of Donald Trump? Well, I think if they win, I should get all the credit. And if they lose, I should not be blamed at all, okay? But it'll probably be just the opposite. Uh, When they win, I think they're going to do very well. I'll probably be given very little credit, even though in many cases I told people to run. And they ran, and they turned out to be very good candidates. You know, they've turned out to be very good candidates. uh, But usually what would happen is uh, when they do well, I won't be given any credit. And if they do badly, they will blame everything on me. So I'm prepared for anything, but we'll defend ourselves. So it's the same words that you're reading in the headline, but it's a completely different tone. And if you're watching it on TV, you can see that as Trump's saying that, he's got a little smirk. He says, oh, what's my take on the midterms? Uh, hmm, here's what I think should happen. If they win, I should get all the credit. And if they lose, I shouldn't get any of the blame. You know it's going to be the opposite. But I, listen, my preference would be that. And he's joking. He's joking. It's a joke. Okay. And I remember this in 2016. My friends who were the most irritated by Trump and who just were the most befuddled by Trump are the ones who have, are not from New York, have never lived in New York and don't, don't know a lot of New Yorkers. (laughs) And the people who kind of laughed at Trump or shrugged him off or got a kick out of him tended to be the New Yorkers or people who have spent time in New York. Okay. This is Donald Trump is at his core a New Yorker, okay? And New Yorkers make jokes and they're brash and they use hyperbole and they speak with their hands like I am doing right now and like Donald Trump does. And they bust people's gullions and they uh, they hit people and they just, you know, it's just the way that they are, okay? And so this is going to keep up because Donald Trump seriously wants to be president, I think. Donald Trump rightly understands that Ron DeSantis is his chief 
rival in 2024. And so he's going to keep dinging him. He's going to keep dinging him. Now, this might, this might just turn people off. I've been following a lot of the commentary on this. And a lot of people are saying, look, I love Trump. I voted for him twice, but enough. Don't hit. Why are you going to hit this good Republican governor down in Florida who's doing great stuff? Come on, man. It's two years away. Chill out. But Donald Trump, he is who he is. He is a New Yorker. He is brash. He's bold. He hits. He fights. And so that is, that is just going to happen. That is just baked in. The presidential race is on. We're not done counting the votes for 2022, but the, the race is on, okay? And for the people who are saying, Trump shouldn't hit DeSantis, give me a break, okay? Trump is who he is. It's a presidential contest. He's going to do it. And, and for Donald Trump, by the way, who says, Ron DeSantis shouldn't run against me. I made him. He should be gracious. Okay, give me a break. All right, that's insane. This is politics. We're talking about the highest office in the land. This is the time that Ron DeSantis probably has to run if he wants it. The way the cycles fall next time, he's probably going to be yesterday's news. And in politics, as in comedy, timing is everything. So he's going to run. I don't think that he's a, he's a bad man for running against Trump, who helped him win his first race. And uh, frankly, I don't think Trump is a bad man for trying to get his old job back and uh, for running, especially when he's this high up in the polls. This is politics. Politics is a really tough, brutal business. And the guys who do well in it are really tough guys who can take a punch. I think DeSantis can take a punch. I think Trump can take a punch. They can both throw them as well. And starting most likely next Tuesday with that announcement at Mar-a-Lago, Trump could surprise us and not announce, but all, all the signs are pointing to him announcing a run. That means 2024 is off to the races. Now, on the Democrat side for 2024, a lot of people saying Biden can't run. He's just so exhausted. He's so confused. He can barely form an English sentence. So you're going to need a new candidate. And who's the candidate that they're proposing to, to fix all of those problems about uh, Joe Biden? John Fetterman, of course. Fetterman as a nominee at some point for president. Um, I know there's some variables, obviously. <laughs> but just a few. Just a few. But I just, you know... It, it, what he did in the in the super red, deep red parts of Pennsylvania and the way that he ran ahead of Biden, as you were saying, ran ahead of Trump. I mean, it just makes it makes you wonder about his future. Makes you wonder about his future. I mean, John Fetterman, his entire political experience is uh, being the mayor of a town of 1800 people and briefly being a lieutenant governor and now having just been elected to the Senate after not campaigning because he can't speak because he's a very, very ill man with extremely radical ideas. So he should be president, right? Maybe he should. He's probably going to be in the Senate about as long as Obama was. He's, he's got exactly as many political achievements under his belt as Barack Obama did. So maybe. It's not the craziest idea. Uh, from the beginning, the health attack on Fetterman was a loser attack. And it was a loser attack, one, because it seems kind of ugly. You know, you don't want to make fun of people for having a stroke. But two, it's a loser attack because no one really cares. Because the job of senator is not what it once was. We used to have active senators who would cross party lines and who were very involved in foreign policy even, and who were involved in lots of oversight and who would pass a lot of legislation. That's kind of over. The, the legislature doesn't really do most of the legislation. Most of the actual legislation at this point is just uh, pumped out by the federal bureaucracy, which is under the executive branch. So uh, the senators, especially as we move more toward a kind of parliamentary style system where the parties are very clearly defined and the individual senators are just kind of rubber stamps for party leadership, 
just doesn't really matter. And frankly, I think the same principle is true for the president. I don't know that it matters all that much who the president is if the president is incapacitated, as he is right now, by the way. People are saying, well, Fetterman can't be president. His brain isn't working all that well. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. tell me more about that. Uh, because the, the, the machine of government just kind of rolls on as our government throughout the 20th century became more of a technocracy. Uh, then the, the legislators and even the president mattered less and less. You think Fetterman 2024 is crazy? I don't think you've seen crazy yet. I think things are going to get a whole lot crazier than we're looking at right now. And that's why in these periods of craziness and chaos, you're going to want some pretty solid assets. That's why you got to check out Birch Gold. Right now, text Knowles to 989898. Inflation continues to plague our economy. The Daily Wire reports that in less than two years, inflation has soared from 1.4% to 8.6%. As of May 2022, the price of gas was up nearly 49%. The price of meat, poultry, and fish was up 14.2%. And the price of used cars was up 16%. The current administration's irresponsible spending patterns including Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion rescue plan, continue to exacerbate the problem. Now is not the time to have all your money tied up in the stock market. Do not let your savings wither away. Hedge against inflation with gold from Birch Gold. Text Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold. Birch Gold is giving out a free gold bar with any purchase made by December 22nd. You must submit your claim by Black Friday. With almost 20 years of experience in converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs, Birch Gold can help you too. Don't sit around while the Fed devalues your hard-earned money. Text Knowles, Canada WLES, to 989898 and learn how you can convert at least part of your savings into a precious metals IRA. If you place an order by December 22nd, Birch Gold will send you a free gold bar. Text Knowles, Canada WLES, to 989898. Speaking of insane choices in elections. We've talked a lot about the Georgia Senate race, the Arizona Senate race, 2024 presidential contest. We haven't talked a ton about the uh, New Hampshire uh, Miss America contests, okay? And we haven't talked in particular about Brian Noyan. Brian Noyan, who is the first man to uh, win the Miss Greater Dairy 2023 competition. Your new Miss Greater Dairy is Brian Noyan. And you see him in his dress, and all the poor little cute blonde girls are, they have to pretend to be happy behind him. And then he, who is a, for those of you who are not watching right now, for those of you who are only listening, this man is... I don't want to be mean to the guy. He, there's a lot of pretty little blonde girls around him who look like, you know, young blonde girls. And then there's this more corpulent guy, a little, he just looks more like a man and he's bigger and he's just bigger. Okay. And he is, he wouldn't have gotten my vote for Miss Greater Dairy. I'm not on the electoral commission for this contest, but it's absurd. How did he win? Even if he were a woman, it would not make sense for for him to win this beauty contest, okay? 
Um, he probably has many other virtues and talents, but this would not, he should not win. So why? Why? They have to do it. They have to do it. Because the left we know hates truth, and the left we know hates goodness, and the left also hates that third transcendental, hates beauty. That's why the leftists all over the world are throwing soup on, on famous, beautiful paintings. That's why they attack beautiful buildings and beautiful architecture, and they, they try to burn these things to the ground. The left hates beauty, and so the left has to redefine truth as falsehood and goodness as evil and beauty as grotesquerie. And that is what they're doing. This is why now when you see billboards for clothing, it used to be you'd go in magazines and you'd see on billboards for clothing companies, you'd have these beautiful models, you know, Christy Brinkley, right? Heidi Klum. Mm, oh my God. Tyra Banks, you know, these really beautiful people. Now you don't see those people on the billboards and in the magazines. You see, you see big, ugly, mutilated people who, who make themselves look uglier than they otherwise would who contort themselves and try, and, and that's, they call it positivity. It's not positivity. It's a, an inversion of standards to reorder all of society. That's what they're really after. It's part of the exact same attack on truth and goodness that we see everywhere. They have to do it. And the, and the, the saddest part of it, the most sort of Stalin-esque totalitarian part of it, is those poor little girls in the background, who one of whom should have won the contest, they have to applaud. They, and they have to smile. And they have to say, oh, this is so great that this big dude won the girls' beauty pageant. We ha ha ha. Just like all those girls on the swim team at UPenn have to smile and applaud when that big dude, Will Thomas, who calls himself Leah, takes all of their trophies. They have to do it. Because if they do not uh, uh, affirm this absurd dominant regime, they will be exiled. They will be ostracized. They'll be called awful, phobic, terrible people. So they have to do it too. And you're supposed to do it too. And I'm supposed to do it too. And I don't. And then they take some of my shows off YouTube and, <laughs> you know, don't invite me to the nice fancy parties and things like that. But it, it's, a, it's a, a total kind of ideology. It's everywhere. It's not just Joe Biden and that fellow uh, Richard Levine, the assistant health secretary. It's not just them from the official government posts who are pushing the trans ideology. It's everywhere. It's all the way down to the little teen beauty pageant in Miss Greater Dairy 2023. The drag stuff is now a sort of religious right for public life. And you're, this is why you're seeing all the politicians do it. Uh, Justin Trudeau has just become the latest prominent politician to go on a drag race TV show. Who's ready for world domination? Oh! Please help me welcome the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau! <laughs> this one is about to go down in history. My jaw just dropped. The most shocking thing about this clip is how ordinary it is now. You, you would have thought two years ago, if a major politician goes on to a drag queen show, that's a shocking thing. Wow, isn't that so crazy? Trudeau's the third guy to do it. First, you had Nancy Pelosi. She went on one of the, the American drag queen show. And then AOC went on the exact same drag queen show. And now Justin Trudeau, up in America's top hat, 
goes on the Canadian Drag Queen Show. This is just what happens now. This is a religious right for politicians. In the old days, politicians who wanted to win office in the dominant, powerful culture would go to churches. They'd go to a church and you'd see them with their Bible, you know, maybe they'd kiss a couple babies there and, you know, they would go to the old religious rituals. In, in India, when someone wants to become prime minister of India, they go to Varanasi and they go into the Ganges River because it's considered holy. And they'll sometimes go, and the river is full of bacteria, and they'll sometimes go into the river, sometimes they'll even drink out of the river, which is not very good for their physical health, but, but they have to do it. So important is that religious ritual. Well, that's just what we're seeing now with the left. The left's religious ritual that you have to perform if you want to be considered holy in their extraordinarily unholy religious view is you, you need to bend the knee to the, the weird trans stuff, the LGBT stuff. You certainly have to show up to a pride parade. And I mean, I remember seeing this even 10 years ago at, in New York, they always have all these sorts of weird, crazy LGBT parades with the pride parade, the mermaid parade on Coney Island. Chuck Schumer was showing up. You have to do that now. And now it goes even further. You have to show up for transgenderism. It, it makes me think of a point that my friend Alan Estrin said to me yesterday. I was on Alan Estrin, who runs Prager University. I got on a call with him and uh, Jeremy. We were just sort of catching up. And he said, hey, guys, uh, well, welcome to the States of America. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that is so incisive. Yeah, that's a great takeaway from the midterms. We live not in the United States of America. We live in the States of America. We live in different realities with, with different cultures and different, uh, not just different kind of practices, but, but different religious views with different languages. We don't even speak the same language with a different conception of marriage, the bedrock political institution, with completely different conceptions of life, with completely different conceptions of the nation state. We're just, we have very very little in common. And now if you, if you want, I mean, this is one of the stories of the midterms is that people had voted with their feet, which is good news. That's why, that's one of the reasons why Florida had such a great night for Republicans. But it's also one of the reasons why Lee Zeldin, the Republican candidate, wasn't able to win in New York. He got pretty close, but how many conservative New Yorkers had just left, voted with their feet, said, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to go live in a normal place. And so if you want to win elections in the normal conservative places, then you're going to have to still keep going around to those churches and potluck dinners. And if you want to win elections in the radical leftist states, then you're going to need to go on the drag queen TV show. And those are just, those are just different forms of campaign with different rights because people have different fundamental views of the world. One of the other results of the midterm elections is because Biden lost. I mean, let's, let's not forget, Republicans still seem to have won. They didn't win by as much as we hoped they would, that we would, but Republicans still won unless something gets a little screwy in the final vote count. Uh, but because they didn't win with a huge mandate, Joe Biden was just asked by uh, Zeke Miller, what are you going to change now after this midterm, sir? And he says, not a thing. You mentioned that uh, Americans are frustrated. And in fact, 75% of voters say the country is heading into the wrong direction despite the results of last night. What in the next two years do you intend to do differently 
uh, to change people's uh, opinion of the direction of the country, particularly as you contemplate a run for president in 2024? Nothing, because they're just finding out what we're doing. The more they know about what we're doing, the more support there is. I'm not going to change a thing. Forget about after Bill Clinton gets shellacked in the midterms and he comes out and he says, the Arab big government is over. Uh, I feel your pain. I hear your midterms. Uh, Forget about that. That's over. Joe Biden says, I'm not going to change a damn thing. Although frankly, even had he gotten completely destroyed in the midterms, I don't think he would have changed a damn thing at all because I think the left is much much more willing to flex their power right now. And, and they've shown this time and time again, forget about the polls, forget about what people want. People broadly don't want you transiting their kids. Well, the White House is going to push it. People broadly don't want more migration. White House is going to push it. Completely open borders. White, people want energy prices to come down. White House doesn't care. White House is going to shut down energy production. The liberal establishment does not care. What are they going to change? They're not going to change a thing. You know, if you're looking for a change in your job, The Daily Wire is looking for a senior vice president of marketing, analytics, data, and operations. I'm told that this is a high-profile executive role with paid relocation to Nashville. This innovator will design, hire, and oversee a world-class marketing data and analytics team that is built atop the marketing data stack from CRM platforms to multi-touch attribution tools, to propensity targeting models. What language is that? I don't even know. I don't know what any of, I barely know what those syllables mean. Uh, This leader will, for example, study which Daily Wire shows and films most interest the audience. Um, Don't think we need to hire a new new vice president of whatever the hell to do that. I think that answer is pretty obvious. But anyway, they want to do it. Maybe that could be a good thing for you. If you understand what a full marketing data and analytics stack is, head on over to dailywire.com slash Knowles and click careers for more information to apply. Also, the Daily Wire is seeking a vice president of paid media. The ideal candidate will be a seasoned leader and media strategist who can toggle between player and coach who thrives in fast-paced, highly creative environments and is excited to evolve Daily Wire's media mix while retaining ROI. In more simple words, all those ads that people ignore or like to skip, we need someone to make it so that they don't want to ignore or skip them. Having prior experience with entertainment subscription or high growth consumer businesses would be a huge plus as well. If this sounds like you, go to dailywire.com slash Knowles and click on careers for more information and to apply today. The establishment has bought into transgenderism even though the people broadly don't like it, even though the Republicans who did very, very well in the midterms and in recent years have done so running against transgenderism. I'm thinking of Ron DeSantis, especially in Florida, biggest winner of the night during the midterms. I'm thinking of Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. I'm thinking of an issue that has brought a lot of people over from the Democrat side to the Republican side. The establishment still pushes it, including the supposedly right-wing media channels. Not all of them, but the ones that have most accommodated themselves to the elite kind of media apparatus, they go along with it. You know, I'm not surprised when NBC and ABC and CNN and all the New York Times and Washington Post, I'm not surprised when they buy into the 
absolutely absurd idea that a man is a woman and that a man who dyes his hair a crazy color and mutilates his body is, you know, puts lipstick on, you know, is, is totally normal and, and brave and stunning and so, so brilliant and, you know, should be affirmed in that delusion. I'm not surprised by that. But even I, with my low expectations, was surprised. I shouldn't be anymore, but I was surprised to see this piece from Fox News. Fox News tweets out yesterday, breaking barriers. Leigh Finke attributed her victory to the rise of queer political power. I said, oh, Leigh Finke. Who's Leigh Finke? Then I look at the picture and it's this, you know, poor caricature of a troubled man who has pink dyed hair and a woman's haircut and is wearing a kind of turquoise woman's top and wearing lipstick, and it's just ridiculous. The man should be in an insane asylum, not, not in a- any sort of political office. And then I, I read the headline and I thought, is Fox News kind of mocking this absurdity? Is Fox News, is this a sort of tongue-in-cheek? But Fox used the pronoun. Fox News is referring to a dude who is very obviously a dude as her. Unironically, I think. I've got the article here. Minnesota elects first transgender state lawmaker. Even even to use the phrase transgender seriously is is just to buy the premise of, of the left, which is absurd. The idea that there is such a thing as transgenderism, there is not. There is no ontological category of, you know, trans women or trans men. It doesn't exist. There are men who wrongly express their sexual nature and and women who wrongly express their sexual nature, but there's no such thing as transgender as as an actual category of being. Minnesota voters have elected the state's first transgender lawmaker into office. Finky's opponent lost, received, you know, just 18.5% of the vote. When Finke is sworn into office in January, she will replace Alice Hausman, who was first elected to office in 1989. Oh my goodness gracious. She, her, she. Many stories will be written about Minnesota's elections, she said in a tweet, quoting the Victory Fund. One undeniable story is the rise of queer political power. Yeah, that's true. We do have very queer powers in this country. The principalities and powers of this world have long been a bit queer, and they're now very explicitly queer including at Fox News, I guess. What is that about, guys? Come on, you're, come on, you're, you're supposed to be the right-wing t- cable channel, you know? And if, if even the, the supposedly right-wing, cons- even center-right conservative cable channel is embracing the most insanely radical leftist idea possibly in American history, you know, who needs Democrats? With, with, with right-wingers like this, who needs leftists? Absolutely pathetic. It's misinformation is what it is. To call that man a woman is misinformation. Elon, censor this tweet. It's, it's misinformation. You're not allowed to mention that COVID came, probably came from a Chinese laboratory or that the vaccine isn't all that effective at stopping infection and transmission of COVID. That's, that's horrible misinformation. But you can call this obvious dude a chick, and that's, that's it's true information? I don't think so. I don't think so. Speaking of misinformation, there was a story on election day. I meant, 
meant to get to it. It kind of snuck past a lot of people. This is a minor story, but it happened in Tennessee, and it could have had pretty serious consequences. Shows you how subtle the shenanigans can be. Uh, Someone gave us this tip and sent us screenshots, and Daily Wire has, uh, has reported on it, that Alexa, the Amazon voice app, Uh, had information about polling places. You know, all of social media had been uh, primed to give people information about where to go to the polls and how to vote. And uh, so Alexa did this too. And when you asked Alexa, Alexa, what are the polling hours in Tennessee on election day? Here's what Alexa said. There are no polling hours in Tennessee. Ballots must be sent by mail before election day or returned to a designated ballot drop box or in person to the county elections department by 8 p.m. on election day. Huh? If you asked in other states, it gave you the polling hours. But in Tennessee, it didn't. And it's not even, it didn't, like, Alexa couldn't look, at, look it up on Google or something like that. Alexa didn't have the right information. There was a lot written there. There are no polling hours in Tennessee. Ballots must be sent by mail before election day or returned in person to, but that's not true. I went, there were polling hours, I voted. So what's that about? Was it malice or incompetence? I don't know. Maybe it's incompetence. I mean, this was one of the disagreements that some of us were having on backstage night, is we were talking about the Maricopa County machines, and Ben said, charitably, perhaps, listen, don't ascribe to malice that which is equally explained by incompetence. Those Maricopa County machines, it's just incompetence. Maybe, you maybe it's incompetence. Maybe the, the widespread mail-in ballots in 2020 in Pennsylvania, maybe that was incompetence. Maybe that burst water pipe and the stopping of the vote count in 2020 in Georgia, maybe that was incompetence. Maybe the uh, suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story in 20, maybe that was incompetence. Maybe Alexa uh, telling Tennessee voters that there are no polling hours on, on election day when we know that Republicans are more likely to vote on election day and we know Democrats are mo- more likely to vote before election day and after they have died. We, we know that that's, that's true too. Maybe it's all incompetence, but man, that's, a sh- that's sure a lot of coincidences, isn't it? It's just funny how the incompetence always redounds to the benefit of Democrats and to the disadvantage of Republicans. Maybe some of it is incompetence and not malice, but it's just the whole system of it. I think it would be hard to say that 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 whole system of mistakes and mishaps and that that's all just incompetence. Once can be a fluke, twice can be a coincidence. Three times seems a little bit more strategic and systematic. Now, speaking of issues on election day, one issue that as the polls got things wrong for Republicans in those last two weeks, one issue that may have played a role more than a lot of conservatives thought was abortion. And in a very specific way, we've known for years now that abortion does not rank for most people at the very tippy top of their list of, of issues. And when, when people are considering issues, the economy, crime, immigration, those sorts of things tend to rank much, much higher. But there was something this year that motivated people, I think, to vote more specifically on abortion. And that's what might have skewed the polls. And that is that ab- abortion 
came up on a lot of ballots in referenda. So it's not just that people were voting for a pro-life politician or a pro-abortion politician. They were voting specifically on abortion issues. So when abortion is literally on the ballot, perhaps that motivated more pro-abortion fanatics to get to the polls. And when they did that, they obviously voted for Democrats. So it's, it's sort of one degree removed from a, a, the normal way that you would think about voting. That might have explained things as well. Now, I always think, look, it, 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 especially if Republicans win the House and, and win the Senate, then you say, you know, okay, whatever. Yeah, we didn't get 56 seats. Okay, fine. We got 51 seats or 52 seats, whatever. But even if not, even if it had cost Republicans the Senate to overrule Roe v. Wade, totally worth it. Of course, totally worth it. You, I just knew the Supreme Court shouldn't have, if they had just waited and not gone and overruled Roe v. Wade. Oh, well, if they hadn't done that, hundreds of thousands more babies a year would be murdered. And it's true, maybe some more psychopath politicians would have held some seats in Congress or something, but I don't care. I'll rather take the win. The reason that we want to win elections is to get good stuff done for the country and and stop the bad stuff happening in the country, right? And I can think of few issues where good and bad are more starkly defined than on abortion. So totally worth it. But it's worth pointing out, California pro-abortion prop uh, was on the ballot, and 65% of Californians voted for it. Uh, You saw the same thing in Vermont, in Montana, Kentucky. Well, you saw it all over the place. Michigan, did that push, you know, if, if the, the abortion prop is on, on the ballot in Michigan and it passes, passed pretty clearly, 56.4 to 43.6. Is that what gives Gretchen Whitmer that extra boost to get over Tudor Dixon, who is a good candidate? Maybe it is. And maybe that's just the cost. First of all, though, you can't just say, well, it's Trump's fault. He picked bad candidates. In a way, it is Trump's fault because he got the conservative judges on the court who then overruled Roe v. Wade. So it is. But that's something that I think he would want to take responsibility for. And you can't just say, well, it's the fault of election fraud, or well, it's the fault of this, that, or well, it's the fault of even a bad Senate map. No, okay. If if it is the case that abortion actually did play a role in some of these tighter races, okay, it's too bad that the Republican lost, but lost for good purpose because we got a major, major win. And we just shouldn't be so doer and so absolutely depressed, okay? Conservatives are making big gains. Conservatives are taking back some political power. Conservatives are getting more of a specific vision, and it's going to be messy, and there's going to be fighting, and there's going to, it's going to be tough, and we're going to get some setbacks. Overall, though, the conservatives are doing more right now than they have in my entire lifetime. That's very, very exciting. Now we've got to win those races. We've got a very important conservative lawyer coming on to help us discuss that. That would, of course, be Jenna Ellis. The rest of the show continues now. You do not want to miss it. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us. 